Mondays that we had this year? Oh, 11. 11. Well, I guess like nine if you want to be specific because of two Thursday games, correct? True. This is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like your technicality there. But yes, these Victory Mondays or Fridays, whatever we're doing, you know, they've, they're getting to the point where if we have two more of these, which we very well could with the Bucks beating the Panthers yesterday and the Jets and Panthers on deck for the next two weeks, we could be talking about a 13-4 and four Buccaneer team. The 13 wins would be the most in franchise history in a regular season. So mm-hmm. Buccaneers still setting records, you know, still in uncharted uh, waters, so to speak. And, yeah. and, um, and it's nice to see the team get their NFC South championship, which has been a long time coming. <laughs> if you would have told me back in 2007 that this team would have won a Super Bowl before winning another NFC South championship. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have believed you, but doesn't make much sense. But then again, how many things have actually happened in a practical order with the Bucks organization? It's just that's true. I think that they're one of the best elements of surprises in the league to say the least. Yeah. I mean yeah. back in 2007 if you told me they would have gone through let's see uh John Gruden, Raheem Morris, um uh, Greg Schiano, Lovey Smith, Dirk Cutter, Bruce Arian, six coaches since their last division championship. Oh, and by the way, they would get Tom Brady as their quarterback. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have believed you back in yeah. 2007, but yet here we are. And making history at that, franchise history, which is exciting. I think the best part about everything that took place yesterday was all the OG fans writing, I've been waiting so long for this. Those are those moments that I think everyone lives for when it comes to the sport that you love and and something you're passionate about. So, yeah, Bucks fans, congratulations. You know what I've been living for? I've been living for the delicious taste of Celsius, which um, I I had one today, kind of like mid-morning. Should have had it early in the morning because I was Mm -hmm. dragging. But uh, I was able to uh, completely in, inhale and consume this tasty Fuji apple pear. And the great thing about Celsius, if you're new to the program, uh, you got to try a Celsius. It's the oh, best yes. energy drink on the market. And what makes it so special, Casey, is the fact that there's no sugar, there's no preservatives. And what I like about it is there's no crash, right? Mm-hmm. With other energy drinks, yeah, you get that little boost of energy, but it has sugar in it or it might have you know, some type of of other, you know, like non good for you thing in there. And, and all of a sudden, boom, you're crashing a couple hours later with Celsius. There is no crash. And the great thing is they come in a lot of tremendous flavors. Uh, I like the orange. I like the Fuji apple pear. I love but, strawberry uh, guava. Strawberry guava. Exactly. <laughs> yep. And we've got, um, you know, we've got the strawberry guava, like you said, the wild berry, tropical vibe, peach vibe. They come in an assortment of flavors. They even have a fantastic tasting cola flavor. So if you have not tried Celsius, or even if you have tried Celsius, but you want to try some other flavors, you can find out where those other flavors are, are around your neighborhood by going to Celsius.com, clicking on the store locator, putting in your address, and all of a sudden these health and fitness places, grocery stores, 
um, you know, chain stores will pop up with, uh, with, with all the different flavors that they have around you. Go try them. And once you do, then if you lock in a couple of flavors you like, then go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, use the subscribe and save and save money. And they ship them right to your house, Casey. You don't yeah. even have to go out anymore. They just come right to you. Oh yeah. And then Jeff made a good point. The packets actually are awesome. So I, with instructing six times a week, I actually do use the packets more than drinking because then I hop on the bike so quickly. It's way easier to digest because it's in water. So I haven't tried the package yet. I'll have yes. to try that. Love the packets. Good call, Jeff. Yeah. Well, we've got some breaking news. Um, Mike Evans is on the COVID list right now. Um, don't know how that affects his, his status because I don't think he's going to play this week anyways. Mm -hmm. I think that especially with this with this game this week, Casey, being up in New York, yeah, cold weather and hamstrings don't exactly mix, right? Not because your muscles get tight when it's cold. And if anything, it doesn't make a little bit more sense to just try to save his hamstring and, and, and save his health. Save him. Save, him. save him for the yeah. postseason. But, I mean, I think he wants that 1,000 yards. I, I think he'll be yeah. healthy enough for that return um, week 18 against the Panthers at home. Close out with a thousand yards. I completely agree. And not to mention is that, of course, praying that he's fine, no major symptoms, and whatever the case may be. But if anything, this might save him because a lot of these players rush getting back so that they can hit those mile, you know, those milestones or contribute yeah. to the team. And it's the Jets, not counting anything out. But the last thing you want to do is have a guy like Mike Evans play against the Jets just to show up for his team and further irritate the hamstring. Something that he's kind of had an off and on with for the past what two, three seasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's something that's kind of plagued him ever since he's been in the league. Some years have been better than others. Obviously, in 2019, he tore his hamstring on a touchdown catch against the Colts and was out for the last, I think, three weeks of the season that put him on injury reserve. So, you know, uh, we'll we'll see um, how quickly he can rebound. It's not as severe as Leonard Fournette's. Pretty much Bruce Arians said today in the press conference that it doesn't look like Fournette is is going to be back for the regular season. Um and it's not necessarily a lock. He's going to be back for the first round of the playoffs either. Mm -hmm. So the Buccaneers might have to do some work at home in that first round of the playoffs against whoever it is. I think right now it's the Cardinals. Um, That's what I was seeing more than so like the Cardinals. They, they might have to get to rounds two of the playoffs before some of these guys come back. Remember, Vita Vea didn't come back until the NFC Championship game, and then he played in that game and then the Super Bowl and made a big impact. So. Absolutely. The sooner the better for these injured Buccaneers, but uh, some of these guys might not be ready for for the first round. We'll see how fast they heal. Yeah. Well, I mean, the next couple of games are going to be telling because at least you have the break of not going against an aggressive team, but you have that opportunity to really work through the kinks of who's going to be able to show up. You know, all of us at Pewter Report have kind of been discussing who's going to be that next guy up, who's actually going to represent the next man up mentality and and perform and we saw some good things in yesterday's game which was great the previous games beforehand <laughs> i don't yeah. think we have such a positive conversation but if they can use these next couple of games to see who can at least you know get the bucks in in a good position to get to the next game to get to the next game to get for i would assume the first two games of playoffs realistically yeah. between the injuries that are being discussed these guys bouncing back in three weeks or less is not realistic not if you want to keep them around and actually go to another super bowl so yeah, and and there's always there's always that concern if you rush them back too soon, they, they can get re-injured, right? And so if you try to get these back, these guys back for the first round of the playoffs, when maybe they need an extra week, then all of a sudden they they come back in, and then 
then they're they're lost for the next round if you should advance. But uh, it's very interesting to to see what's going to transpire. So uh, you know, we we talked about AB to the rescue. Let's start with him. We we had a lot of of reserve players that really stepped up mm-hmm. uh, and answered the call on the offense and defensive side of um, uh, of the ball. Um, more so on the offensive side, right? Because Tom Brady was let down by the likes of Tyler Johnson and Keyshawn Vaughn and Scotty Miller uh, in in um, in the the loss to the Saints. But against the the Panthers, some of those guys really stepped up. But one guy that really stepped up was Antonio Brown, right? And and yeah. uh, big MGM props to AB for answering those questions as professionally as possible. I don't agree with what he did or his dishonesty about the Vax card. Those reporters were unnecessarily ruthless. I don't think the reporters' questions were ruthless. And maybe what MGM is saying is the fact that the story was written all together. You know, I mean, right. that, I that's think news, you know? Yeah. I think so many things play into that. Like, the first thing that I will say, I kind of had a laugh about this morning, but Bucks fans, I love you guys. I've grown up here my entire life. Let's not turn into Bill's Mafia or Pat's Nation just because the team is winning, okay? Let's keep our class. Let's be Bucks Nation and, you know, keep holding our head high and, and, and being the best of the best. With that said, I think that it was just a who and a timing of the question why people decided to tear into it and dissect it so so grandly. But, you know, MGM, I appreciate the fact that you know, you had a response on it and you thought that he had a quality response, but reporters have to ask questions. That's, that's what they do and how people answer that speaks on them. And at the end of the day, I started college and going for public relations. I would have never put him up there to begin with. So that's where it starts for me. (laughs) At some point in time though, you you have to let him answer some questions. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and and I was a public relations major. I started off in marketing, but ended up as a PR major. Little did I know I'd be working for a company that I ended up calling PR. Mm-hmm. But that's just what happened. But as Tony Saylor says, I'm hoping PR stays away from defending other media members who ask antagonistic questions to our players rather than discussing the big win. It's so interesting to see a lot of these Buccaneer fans just rally around AB and yeah. in basically kind of flick off the media, so to speak, on social media, et cetera. And everyone's entitled to their opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and listen, as a public relations major, it, it's almost like, I, you know, I took advertising classes at Kansas State. Mm-hmm. And once you take some advertising classes and you know what goes into the messaging of, of a, a commercial or even like a print ad or a billboard, whatever, yeah. once you know the inner workings of, of advertising, you can never look at, at an ad the same way, right? Like you just kind of, you kind of get it to a higher degree and level than maybe other people who haven't, you know, had that type of education. But the same thing with public relations. There's a lot of times as a media member, and I'm doing this for 26 years, but I did three years of sports information at Kansas State working for essentially the public relations staff of my alma mater's sports, mm-hmm. you know, program. And so there's a lot of times where even I've been thwarted by, you know, if, whether I'm, I'm trying to ask a question or whether I'm trying to get an interview and I get denied, whatever. And I, I have to kind of like do a hat tip to the PR staff and saying, OK, like I understand why you're shielding this player or shutting this down or denying yeah. this or whatever. You know, I, I get it. I can't really be too mad about it because I've been on that side and I understand why you're doing it. So I, I I've always I've always kind of been in between like like I'm part of the media. 
but I really, really understand the, the dynamics of a public relations staff too. And I think that with Antonio Brown, him coming off of a really, really good game and a win is the best time to kind of get it over with. And I think that's right. why they did it yesterday. Yeah, actually, I agree with that because they were probably hoping that the win was going to, you know, keep him in a certain frame of mind. I also yeah. think that like he was so, you know, I, I said this to John and Matt yesterday, if you follow his social media leading into the game, you kind of already knew that he had so much built up anger and yes. words towards you know, media in general. So, you know, it could have gone either way. And I think you made a solid point that they were like, let's get this out of the way rather than it be a week later and be that much more irrelevant. So yeah, at the end of the day, people have a job to do. No one's out headhunting. And I just remind you guys, Bucks Nation, we are not Bills Mafia or the Patriots. (laughs) Just because we're winning does not mean that you lose your heads and go nuts. Like people are still human. And I was so curious, like if that, if that came off of a loss, and we in the Bucks were five and ten this season. Would everybody really be, you know, lighting their torches and going nuts over the situation yesterday, or would it have been another question in a situation that people loved and didn't love? Yeah, it, it, that's a fair point. And the other the other thing too is is it just happened to be Jenna Lane that just kind of yeah. started this. And I th- I think her question wasn't necessarily that bad. She actually said, you know, you have a coach that stood by you through all of this, right? I mean, she was trying to. I think be as positive. I'm not defending Jenna. I'm just looking at it objectively. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I think, I think Jenna could have asked him. So you know, AB, what is your favorite Disney character? You know, and I just think he had he had both barrels ready to go um, for any media member that was going to ask a question. He was just going to fire away, and and it just happened to be her in that question, and probably. I mean, realistically, he probably should have waited till somebody from the Times asked a question because, because the, the, their reporting is what would kind of prompted all of this. And you can't blame the media for doing their job. It's not their job to necessarily hide news or 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 look away. Um, sometimes unfortunate things happen. And unfortunately, this story led to a suspension that cost he and, and Mike Edwards three games. But Again, fans are entitled to their opinions. So if you want to be pissed at the times, be pissed at the times. You know, we've had people be pissed at Pewter Report and things I've written before. You know, I know. Just remember, you guys love Pewter Report, so everyone yeah. calm down. <laughs> well, I, I think people like me a lot because I was the first to call for Lovey Smith to be fired, like halfway through his his second season, and that was the right move, by the way. So seriously, yeah, somebody put somebody should have asked about his New Year's resolution. Would you guys prefer? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Wow. I mean, Whatever of all the questions, prefer. Casey, you're going to ask that too. Why Bill Belichick? Right? Of all the coaches. I After a never. loss to the Bills and you're trying to win the division. Wow. I would never. That was, it's fantastic though. The bravery. You got to yes. laugh about these things. Come on. Yeah, it just goes do. into the dumpster fire of 2021. Throw it uh, all Amen to that. <laughs> Can't wait for this year to be over with. That's for sure. Matt Arrington. Well, yeah, because the playoffs are in 2022. That's why mm-hmm. we're excited for 2021 to be over with. Exactly. Matt Arrington, thank you for that $10 super chat. I was at the game in Charlotte yesterday. I must say the Bucks defense look great, especially Jordan Whitehead. Hope we haven't lost Shaq Barrett. I love the Pure Report. We love you, Matt. Thank you very much. You. So there was some good news today about uh, Shaq Barrett, Casey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they were saying that it's just an MCL sprain. More than likely, he'll be out for the regular season, but should be bounced back for the postseason. With an MCL sprain, that is an actual, you know, three-game more so situation. So I would think that he could actually be back for game one or two in the postseason, hopefully one. What's yeah. great, though, is they 
the team did not fall apart when Shaq Barrett went out. Correct. The domino effect that we saw in the Saints game, we did not see yesterday. And Shaq Barrett is a key piece of that defense. So it could have easily just as happened yesterday as it did versus the Saints. So this defense, whatever's going on, however they're practicing, whatever their yeah. headspace may be, keep it and build on it, please. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to talk about some of these reserves on the offense and defensive side in, in just a few. We've got some really good questions and super chats here. Let me get to some of these. T- Tony Saylor again. We are living in the golden era of Bucks football. The team has never had back-to-back seasons where they've won a playoff game. So let's not jinx them quite yet. Let's <laughs> let's let's uh let's anticipate a win and hope for a win for for you Buccaneer fans out there, but it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. But they're in prime position to do so. That's that's what Tony Saylor says. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of crazy to think that that um for a franchise that's been around 40 plus years and you know, granted has not had a, a, a bunch of success historically speaking. You know, they do have two Super Bowls, which is more than any other team in the NFC South. And matter of fact, the Falcons and Panthers are still waiting for their first Super Bowl trophy. They've been to the Super Bowl a couple of times each, but they've lost. But the thing is, is is it's kind of crazy to think. And I was just looking at some stats the other day. Bruce Arians has got more postseason wins than any other Buccaneer coach in history. Right. (laughs) And he's got four. That's it. (laughs) He's got four, but he's four now in the postseason. That's so crazy to actually think of that it's only four. But yeah. I would think that actually I would have thought that Bruce Arians had more if I'm being honest. Well, with the Buccaneers, he's got some in Arizona, but we're only looking at, at Tampa. So he's he's just got the, the three playoff wins and then the, the Super Bowl last year. So hopefully <laughs> he gets five in the first round and the Bucs can keep this up because it's kind of fun covering um, a team that is – Really, really good. And I agree with Tony. Listen, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer here by any means, but this is the golden age of Buccaneer football. Enjoy this. I wrote a column about it a couple of weeks ago in the two-point conversion. Enjoy this while it lasts mm-hmm. because there is an expiration date on this. Like in a couple of years, uh, it's not going to be you know an automatic that the Bucs are going to win the NFC South and make the playoffs and all that. Um, you know, Hopefully Kyle Trask. And I've actually heard some very, very, very encouraging things about Trask behind the scenes. Yeah, that's so, what I was about to say. It's I, I'm glad that they haven't been forced into a position where Kyle Trask has had to play because a yeah. lot of these rookie quarterbacks or younger guys that have been thrusted into these situations, I think it kind of messed with their skill set and their ability to produce long term in this yeah. league. So I have, I mean, his practices, the couple questions that Tom Brady was asked about Trask during training camp and stuff, everything sounded great. So hopefully there's something to attach on his back and keep this franchise heading in the right direction. But as you said, yeah. every everybody has their expiration date. Every franchise, every run has its finish line. And hopefully the Bucks isn't in the next year or two or when Tom Brady decides to hang it up. I mean, right. I think that's everyone's biggest fear. What happens yeah. after Tom Brady goes? Yeah, exactly. And then the thing is, is, is again, I, I'm telling Buccaneer fans to live in the moment, savor the moment, not hit the fast forward button. But the, when you do hit the fast forward button, you know, it, it might be Blaine Gabbert versus Kyle Trask. And just journalistically speaking, again, we'll we'll get to that down the road. I'm not looking for this to happen tomorrow, or next year, whatever. As long as Tom wants to play, I'm enjoying covering him. So uh, you keep going, Tom. You want to try to play when you're 50? I'm, I'm not going to doubt you. I'm not going to second guess that move. Go for it. But the thing is, is it will be interesting to see who is the heir apparent to 
to Tom Brady? Is Bruce Arians still around? Is Blaine Gabbert still in the picture? Blaine is a free agent. Is uh, is is Kyle Trask going to be ready at that time? You know, we'll see. But but the the interesting thing about uh, the, the look ahead, if you will, is I think these next two games, without taking any opponent for granted or too lightly, Casey. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying these are preseason games because they matter. They do count. The Bucks are still trying to get as best of a, of a playoff seat as possible. And and right. who knows what can happen over the next two weeks? They they could get the number one seat. That's still a possibility. But even if this team doesn't have Shaq Barrett, even if this team doesn't have Jason Pierre-Paul, yeah, they're a little thin at outside linebacker. But I like what I've seen from oh, yeah. from Joe Tryon Shoinka. I like what I've seen from Cam Gill. I like what I've seen from Anthony Nelson, who got uh, another sack yesterday, yesterday, one of the seven sacks. Mm-hmm. And and the more playing time these guys get, even if it's because of injury, I I, I think it's all it's going to do is is make them better in the future. Because again, JPP is in a contract year, and I don't think they resign him next year. No, and honestly, I was going to bat for JPP a couple weeks ago. I just didn't expect that the Bucs were going to continue to have him in a starting position working through that injury. I know that he is one of those guys that you have to physically yank out of a game to get him off the field, but just allowing him to, to digress in front of, in front of his fans, in front of, you know, his team on the field and taking those opportunities away from JTS. I think we would have been seeing that much more of a progressive player. Right. Joe Tryon Chironka, if he had those extra reps in those couple of games. So I'm glad that you said that. And I actually was going to ask you about it because I know you're a defense guy. It's yeah. yesterday I kind of tweeted, I was like, you know, the the younger players that we're seeing on the on the field right now representing the Buccaneers, this is a hopeful look for the Bucks future because it really is very yeah. well. And to do it here and now is is a great starting point for them to carry it through. We were hoping to see that last year, but if you think about it, it was all the hype around the secondary and the grave diggers. But yep. to see yep. them top to bottom as a unit from the line to the linebackers out to the secondary, they are functioning so well. I mean, Cam Gill, he threw me for a whirl yesterday yeah. and yeah. some of his plays in the game. I was like, geez, okay, go off Gill. Right. And JTS, I think he's just going to get better and better. Yeah. And you can tell that he's so calculated and he's so hard on himself. He kind of mm-hmm. has that JPP mentality where he wants to not only be on the field, but he wants to be effective. He calls yeah. himself yeah. out on his crap to make sure that he's wrapping up in tackles and making right. plays and not just getting to the play, but actually executing on the play. So that's something to look forward to out of a player yeah. that could be the next leader on this defense. I, I agree. I had an exclusive interview with JTS a couple of um, weeks ago, wrote about it in my SRS Fab Five, and, and really came away impressed with this guy. Just just his his humbleness, his humility, his desire to get better, his drive. Uh, mm-hmm. Just, I really think this guy is a home run person and player, and that bodes well for his success. And the thing I liked about the Bucks' pass rush is, on so many of those sacks, it wasn't one guy breaking free and making a play. It was literally the collapsing of a pocket, mm-hmm. and where where you could have, where you know, yet the guy that got the sack was was half a step closer than the other guy who was about to get the sack right so yes. you had a you had a lot of, of players like on one of those sacks cam gill almost got the sack but he forced i think it was darnold to step up uh, into vita vea or maybe it was that was one of william Golston's sacks um so it just i love the teamwork with what i saw those pass rushers and and mm-hmm. and again 
they're getting kind of like preseason snaps because Cam Gill is going to play a lot next week. Yeah. Anthony Nelson's already playing a lot. So is JTS, but you're going to see those three guys get a lot more playing time. And as a result, get a, get a lot better. And that's going to help the bucks, not just in the postseason, but as you mentioned, Casey next year too. And, mm-hmm. and if you want this fun train to continue to ride down the tracks longer than Tom Brady is here, and hopefully, again, that's in a couple of years. You've got to have one eye in the future and one eye on the present. And, mm-hmm. and that's why myself, you, John Ledyard, we've, we've all kind of been adamant about playing Jason, uh, playing Jason Pierre-Paul less and Joe Tryon showing him more. Oh, yeah. Because the future is not just in the future. The future is now with JTS because he's, you know, he's not as good as Shaq Barrett yet because Shaq mm-hmm. just has the experience. But athletically, he's... He's the best guy along the front lines for the Buccaneers. And oh, yeah. I think that the more feel he gets, the more experience, the better he's going to be sooner rather than later. Yeah. And I also think that's important because you want him to start getting confident and start kind of getting that leadership mentality. Because the fun part about football is that you have a short period of time to be an inexperienced rookie before the next set of rookies come in and they're looking to you for answers. Yeah. So, you know, looking down the line here in the next year or two, this team's going to look quite different. And you want a guy like JTS to be confident and to be stepping into a leadership role, have, you know, quality experience and reps under his belt so that right. he can start formulating or fitting into the molding of a team where he can continue to build chemistry with so that they can continue to dominate or build off of what they're growing down the line. Yeah. But when, when that draft season comes, if you know who your set guys are, then plugging in those pieces become a little bit easier. Building that chemistry becomes a little bit easier and you can look forward to them performing well as a whole or, right. you know, being able to step up in times like now. Yeah. And and I think the thing too is, is what every general manager and coach wants and same thing that the fans want is they want, you know, the baton to be passed to somebody who's just as good, maybe even better. Right. I mean, to go, to go from, you know, for the old people out there, from Joe Montana to Steve Young or for the, the more current crowd to go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, right, where there's basically no drop-off. You're going from, you know, one future Hall of Famer to another or at least one Pro Bowler to the next Pro Bowler. So, you know, people are concerned about the quarterback position, and, and you know, whoever replaces Tom Brady is not going to be anywhere close to Tom Brady, especially during that handoff. But if, if Jason Pierre-Paul – you know, rides off into the sunset next year and Joe Tryon Shoinka finishes 2021 strong with, you know, maybe he gets up to five or six sacks. Maybe he has a sack in the postseason. You know, then you've got a guy entering the year as a starter, replacing him with with a lot more experience, a lot more credentials, and you feel better about that position going forward. You know, absolutely. William Butler with the super chat. Thank you very much. How does the seeding work exactly? Don't we have the tiebreaker against the Cowboys? So wouldn't we get the second seed? Yes, that's a great question. I'm glad you asked, and I appreciate the super chat. So this is how the playoff seeding works when you've got more than one team with with the same record, right? And right now, you've got the Packers with 12 wins, and you've got three 11-win teams in Dallas, the Los Angeles Rams, and the Buccaneers, right? So there's three teams with 11 wins. So -hmm. then it's not the head-to-head tiebreaker in terms of the games played. When you're in a three-person, a three-team race, so to speak, it goes to the conference records. So how you fared in your conference. And the Cowboys have only lost one NFC game this year, and that was week one to the Buccaneers. And that's why they're ahead of 
the Rams and the Buccaneers. I believe the Rams are now eight and three. The Buccaneers are seven and four in the NFC. So that's, you know, and, and the great thing is the Buccaneers have another chance with another NFC win coming up in week 18 against the Panthers. So that might help them. The Cowboys have two NFC teams they're going to play to finish the season, and I believe the Rams do as well. Matter of fact, I know that. So there still is a chance that even though there is a tie right now and the Cowboys hold that tiebreaker over the Rams and the Buccaneers, um, that with some more wins and losses, if the Buccaneers keep winning, Cowboys keep losing, the tiebreaker doesn't even – matter at that point because yeah. if if the cowboys lose one more the buccaneers move ahead same with the rams so that's that's what has to happen but as of right now we're still with two weeks to go it's the nfc record that's what determines the seating but a lot's going to change i think in the next two weeks oh yeah <laughs> if you really just look at the the teams that these guys have to finish off with then you here's hoping to who's actually going to place a little higher in the seed but the, yep. the Cowboys have surprised me. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect them to have as much success this season. I thought it was going to take Dak a minute to get his footing underneath him, but yeah. solid, solid dude, solid dude. They showed up last night, didn't they? Holy yeah. smokes! <laughs> <laughs> I, my, my good friend Rick was was uh, was very happy about that. Um, he's a big Cowboy fan, so. Uh, I know the best is seeing to... Skip Bayless on Twitter be like, um, "How about them Cowboys?" And I'm like, "All right." Yeah. You, you guys are you're coming back. That's fine. I don't know if I'd call you guys America's team just yet. Yeah. I'll leave that to anyone else. But post game yeah. without Scott Scafford level next mile. Yeah, I had a little bit of a family emergency last night, so um uh, wasn't able to make the post game show, but everybody did a great job, yourself included. So thank you. Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's a fact. Whenever Blaine Gabbert makes an appearance this year, the Buccaneers are undefeated. I'm not saying that. That you start playing Gabbard ahead of Tom Brady. I, I like the way Brady's playing right now. I think he's, you know, as a pro bowler, I think he deserves the right to start. But, Casey, whenever you put in number 11, you know that you're going to get a win. Because <laughs> the Buccaneers are now 5-0 and this season when Blaine Gabbard makes an appearance in the game. He seals the deal. I think Blaine Gabbard's actually like a dual or, yeah, like a multi-threat quarterback as well. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I was going to say he was the better scrambling quarterback, but the more I see Tom Brady rip off 11-yard runs, I'm kind of changing <laughs> my mind a little bit. You know, it's like, Yesterday give, looked a little more aggressive than normal. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to I give Blaine as much credit as possible. You know that. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not going to knock Brady and his running ability. He has been absolutely crazy, crazy legs out there. Uh, still yeah. amazed week in and week out <laughs> seeing Brady <laughs> – 44 years old school and 25 year olds. Yeah, there's something to that. Not just with his head either, and not just with the arm, but with the legs. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So. That TB12, maybe. But yeah. I used to scream for Blaine Gabbert to be in games when Winston was was the QB. So I, I do share part of that Gabbert love with you. But you're right. They're yeah. undefeated. As for the scrambling 44 year old quarterback, I think he was kind of happy how yesterday went. I think yeah. he was more impressed with some of the guys and, and how they stepped up. There were some frustrating points in there where, you know, a lot is expected out of him to guide these guys, these younger, these younger dudes. But at one right. point, does he just fully trust them? There's a lot of comments and a lot of questions regarding Scotty Miller. And yes, yeah, so we'll get to Scotty Miller in one second. <laughs> Nate Pitts, what are your chances? Y'all start a face PR Facebook group. You totally should. Well, we have a, a Facebook page that we want everybody to follow. 
And that is at Peter Report. You can also follow us at Twitter at Peter Report and also Instagram, Casey, at Peter Report. How about that? Do. Yes. Like, share, follow all the things, guys. And plus, you get different things on different social um, platforms. So Correct. it's good and safe to follow all of them and just keep track. And the cool thing here, if you're watching us on YouTube on our Peter Report TV channel, that you should definitely subscribe to because when you subscribe, you hit that like button and subscribe that helps our algorithms a lot. And it puts us out there for more Buccaneer fans to follow. And so we greatly appreciate that. We're really climbing up there in terms of subscriptions because of you. So thank you very much. And if you are listening or watching right now, whether it's live or the, the podcast version, the replay, make sure you subscribe to Peter Report TV and hit the like button. We greatly appreciate that. So let's get to some of these, these, uh, these backup players here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I wrote about this in the the PR uh, Monday mailbag, the Bucks mm-hmm. Monday mailbag, and one of the questions that that I was uh, given was, should I make an apology to Keyshawn Vaughn because <laughs> I tweeted out after the Saints game, or maybe during the fourth quarter of the Saints game, it ain't Vaughn, not in 2021, not in 2022. So. <laughs> The interesting right, thing right. about Keyshawn Vaughn is he had quite the day yesterday, Casey, a 55-yard touchdown run that uh, that I was happy to see because I think this guy has some ability. We just haven't seen it, right? It's one mm-hmm. thing to, you know, to you know, to have it and not show it. It's another thing to put it on full display. And and Vaughn really took off, broke a couple of tackles, slipped a couple of tackles. Um, and so this is how I kind of phrased it. And let me know what you think. Okay. <laughs> I said and, and I well, one of the things that just has stuck with me, I've got a couple of like phrases that always stick in my head is, is about Aristotle, my, my favorite philosopher who said, excellence is a habit, not an act. Okay. Now um, I'm not ready to to say that after a 55 yard run and, and seven carries for 70 yards that Keyshawn Vaughn should be the starter or he should be considered a starter moving forward. I know he's the only running back right now under contract for next year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because look at Ronald Jones right now, right? If you would have told me uh, after last year's game at Carolina, after rushing for a 98-yard touchdown run and running for 192 yards against the Panthers, that Ronald Jones would be a backup every single game this year until he started yesterday due to injury. Mm-hmm. Behind Leonard Fournette, it would have been a little bit hard to believe, right? Because Fournette had not yeah. established himself at all during the season. Yeah. But that's how quickly things can change in the NFL. So, yes, Absolutely. I mean, maybe Keyshawn Vaughn uses this to springboard himself, but I want to see more from this guy before I do what Bruce Arians did today, which basically said, yeah, he's a. I don't look at him as a third down back. I look at him as a lead dog. Lead this guy is a lead running back. I mean, come on. <sighs> Scott, I struggled with that one. <laughs> what I love about Bruce Arians is he is a player's coach. So you're rarely going to get the the Bruce Arians that goes up there and says, yeah, this guy basically crapped the bed and, you know, he's out. <laughs> right. He says things. He gives these guys opportunity, chance, opportunity, yeah. chance. Because a lot of the things that he says he doesn't uphold because he wants to see these guys do well. Fantastic. Yeah. You have players' coaches and then you have old school coaches. But to call Vaughn a lead back today, I just, you know – I don't typically agree because for me, I have to see consistency before any of that. I know that he says that he's a great runner, um, great running skills, excellent jump cut ability, and he's worked on his hands. I haven't really seen the hand work. I haven't either, yeah. Because yeah. he still had a drop yesterday. Right. And the Saints game was just a hot mess. It wasn't just hand work. It was footwork, 
which I think is a big thing that you work on going into college football, going into the draft. So yeah, that'd be great. I'm all for giving Vaughn a chance. And that was fantastic that he was able to contribute to the team yesterday with that 55 yard run. Right. But, and I, th- I think Greg DeCruz is right. That's Arians pumping up his confidence and I've got yeah. nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Like that's what a coach should do. Mm-hmm. And, and I get that. Right. I, I do. And I'm not knocking Keyshawn Vaughn. I mean, Honestly, I love it when players prove me wrong. I do. Yeah. The, 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 listen, one, one of the all-time, like, you know, shove it Scott moments was with Ronnie Barber, who is absolutely, in, in my two decades of doing this, my favorite Buccaneer player. We're not supposed to have favorites in the media. Ronnie's my favorite, hands down. He, he knows that, too. I mean, I text Ronde a lot, and, I mean, Ronde knows how I feel about him as as a as a player and as a person, too. Got mm-hmm. to know Ronde. and. And but at the same time, I I I called Ronde slow and unathletic, you know, <laughs> back in 1997 and 98 when he wasn't Ronde Barber yet, right? I mean, he right. wasn't Ronde Barber until like 99. It took him a couple of years, yeah. and Ronde was really actually like a, a a third round bust. He busted so hard in his first year, he got torched against Arizona. I think like in week five, I think I think they were called the Phoenix Cardinals back then. That's how long ago this was. <laughs> and he literally played in like two or three games his rookie season. He was so bad that they drafted Brian Kelly in the second round the next year to replace Rondé because they didn't think Rondé was going to make it, right? Yeah. So it's up to the player to to develop. I mean, the coaches have a role, but the players got to make those adjustments, take the coaching, whatever, and mm-hmm. rise to the occasion. This is a rise or fall business. You're either rising or you're falling. Yep. And to his credit, he did a, a, a fantastic job. And and I hope that Keyshawn Vaughn can do that because it would certainly make Jason Light's life easier and, and Bruce mm-hmm. Arians' life better if Keyshawn Vaughn could at least be uh, like a number two back next year, a reliable number two back. But like you said, Casey, he's got to make strides in the passing game because that's why Ronald Jones isn't playing this year when right. Fournette's healthy. Yeah, and I agree with you 100% saying that last season, not many of us thought that Fournette was going to come in and completely take over the position. They, We thought that he still had more earning strides to to take there, and he was probably going to be a very specific running back for this team, for this scheme, for this group. But Ronald Jones started not being able to catch balls, and if there's anything that Bruce Arians has preached as long as he's gotten here or in general of his coaching career is, you know, if you don't secure it, you lose your job. And eventually he had to – finally apply that to Ronald Jones. So yeah, yeah, I agree. We always want to see these players do well. I, I It's our job to kind of be nitpicky. I like to think of us as people that help influence them to do better. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I well, had to, yeah. you know, I had to take an L yesterday because I've been calling SMB's name. Like, where are you? What are you doing? What's your role? Right. And finally he shows up. And I was so happy to hop on the post game and be like, thank you SMB for proving me wrong. Now I can stop calling your name and pick on somebody else. So yeah, well, I, I just mean, hope that he, carries us into the. He Jets. did give up a sixty-three yard catch, but we won't talk about that. I know you guys saw me texting the group though. I was like, "SMB, yes. dude, <laughs> like, come on!" Yeah. But yeah, I think if anything, this is a good time of the year for Vaughn to build off of his performance yesterday yeah. and some do you know do better, do more versus the Jets, and then yeah. come back yeah. versus the Panthers, kind of knowing what to expect and making his performance stand out that much more. He has right. two opportunities more opportunities here to make sure that he has a continued role with this team rather yeah, than yeah. just being the you know, last call. Me personally, I, I really, I don't mind at all when, when the, um, 
you know, when I'm proven wrong as, as a reporter, when, when I come out there and say something, I'm not going to just like, like, you know, die on a hill. I mean, sometimes I do when I, when I really know that I'm right, I, I'll die on the hill, but, <laughs> but I'm not about to sit there and make any type of proclamations about, you know, about Keyshawn Vaughn's career. Cause I haven't seen enough of what he can do. And he showed mm-hmm. some real signs of life yesterday. It just, is that a flash in the pan or is that a sign of things to come? We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I've had some players tell me that, that, you know, which you wrote fired me up, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but I mean, that's happened to me over the time. And I'm like, great, because my job as a reporter is to literally take a snapshot of, of these players, right? It's to take a snapshot. Uh, and I, and I take, you know, I was going to say 16, I'm taking 17 snapshots a year now, right? Cause 17 games, this is who you were on Sunday. And if you didn't like the picture, you can change it, right? Yep. Like I've been harsh on Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead was the best player on the field yesterday. Mm-hmm. Like, like I want that Jordan Whitehead back in red and pewter next year if I'm the Buccaneers. Yes. Right. Um, and I think the Buccaneers like Jordan Whitehead because he's a great fit for what Todd Bowles' system calls for. Mm-hmm. But that guy was on another level yesterday from start to finish. And maybe that's a sign of things to come. You can have a couple more of these type of games to really kind of not just not just be like a defensive starter, but a mm-hmm. defensive star on this team because he's had his moments. But you know, I mean, he's not Levante David, right? I mean, he's right. not like Shaq Barrett. But maybe this is a bit of an awakening for Jordan Whitehead because some of these players can get on rolls, and you never know. And sometimes yeah. it takes a couple years. Again, with Rondé Barber. He, he wasn't Rondé Barber in 97 and 98. He started to become Rondé Barber in 99 and then really took off there. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, and it depends on the team that you have around you. And I think these moments that force guys into tough positions, you really start to see um, players that are going to evolve or step into a bigger role and maintain it. So it's the maintenance and the consistency after it's all said and done. Vaughn, got to see the consistency. Whitehead, We'd love to see that. And we, we're, we're realistic. We're not asking it for that every single game, but, you know, 80 to 90% of that would be great. He has also been pretty underestimated this season. And I've, I'm, I'm first to admit that there's a lot of times that I've been like, you know, Jordan Whitehead could do more. Where is it at? Yeah. But yesterday's game shows it. So the expectation just elevates. And so should he. Yeah. And I think he will. Speaking of yesterday's game, folks, um, that was kind of easy money. That, that, that uh, 11 point spread. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I cashed in on that. I, I had the Buccaneers. I'm not going to lie. But <laughs> if, if you're looking to do some some betting, the place to go is my bookie. Right. They've been with Peter Report for years. I've been on my bookie, uh, not just an advertiser in terms of promoting them, but I've also been a client, a customer of my bookie. Why? Because it's fun and it's easy to bet. Yeah. Looking for an easy New Year's resolution? Make your goal to double your money and get a head start with MyBookie's deposit match bonus. All you have to do is use the promo code PEWTER. When you sign up, you'll get that initial deposit doubled all the way up to $1,000. Want some extra dough in your account? You're ready to bet on the biggest games of the week, and MyBookie's hosting an exclusive odds boost for this year's Cotton Bowl between the Alabama Crimson Tide and the Cincinnati Bearcats. Both offenses have lit up the scoreboard this season. MyBookie's making the, the over an even more attractive bet by lowering the total on points scored. Both teams are top 10 points scored per game in the nation. So get to my bookie and take advantage of these boosted odds in this bowl season. 
Don't drop the ball. Double your first deposit using the promo code Pewter, all the way up to $1,000. Head to MyBookie, place your bets, ring in the new year with the win. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Okay, so one of the guys that I, I had to kind of address was Keyshawn Vaughn, and you know, keep going, Keyshawn, keep proving me wrong. And the other guy was Cyril Grayson. Okay, <laughs> I I made fun of this guy, and I'm, I'm I might have even texted a certain general manager saying, "Why in the world are you keeping this guy in your roster?" Because he tries to catch the ball with his face mask, right? You that was that was a, that. Yeah, I mean that, that that's that's something that did it did happen. We have video proof of that. Uh, he had a ball bounce off his face mask. It would have been his first touchdown, you know, but then earlier this year catches his first touchdown on a busted coverage at new Orleans. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, come to find out this guy, not your guy <laughs> is actually getting more PT and doing a better job as a receiver. Casey, uh, Rub it I, in. I hate to say it, but Scotty <laughs> Miller's lack of blocking and the fact that Cyril Grayson can block and does block really well, um, even on that touchdown run by Keyshawn Vaughn, right? You, you can see in this picture here, that's that's Cyril Grayson. That's not the best blocking technique, but sometimes, Casey, all you got to do is get in the guy's way, right? Yeah. And, uh, and Cyril Grayson was a very, very pleasant surprise yesterday. Oh, yeah. In many ways, I mean, like you said, as, as painful as it is for me to admit that somebody – else keeps earning that position over Scotty Miller. I think we've come to learn in every press conference and especially post game that Bruce Arians needs a guy that has multiple skill set. You have to be able to block as fast as you can run. And I get it for what they're asking of these wide receivers. It is very beneficial. And <laughs> if you can just get the job done, like Grayson did not the prettiest blocking technique, but it's just having the vision. It's getting in the way when you're, when you need to and helping out your teammates. And if Scotty can't do that, then, I respect it, even though I feel like I would thought we were going to see a lot more Scotty Miller this season. And then realistically, I didn't know notice how many guys were a little bit quicker than Scotty Miller. So even yep. just having that flash blocking technique for a second, but the ability to pick up speed and you're maybe two, three inches taller than Scotty is just kind of a, a hand and yeah. win every single time. Yeah. And uh, I, I think now when you look at, at the emergence of Cyril Grayson, right. And, and mm -hmm. the return of, of Brashad Perriman, who comes back from the COVID list today. So the Buccaneers getting some very good news on that front. Uh, now you're going to have Antonio Brown. Now you're going to have Brashad Perriman in the lineup. You're also going to have several Grayson in the lineup. I think we're probably another week away from Mike Evans potentially yeah. coming back. I don't know if you want to, to do that, especially since he got put on the COVID list. I mean, we'll see how quickly he can get off of that, but that was some breaking news at the top of the hour today is Mike Evans is on the COVID list. But now with, with Perriman back, and he's kind of made a big play for Brady, so he's got some trust there. Sorrow Grayson's made some big plays, so he's got the trust. We know AB has the trust, right? I mean, uh, that, that's, that's Tom's guy. Yeah. So I, I feel better about the Buccaneers heading into New York with, with another weapon coming back in Perriman and – a guy like Cyril Grayson now who's really stepped up and 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 made some some big plays for the Buccaneers, not just in the block, but also in that what 61, 62 yard catch. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other thing too is we've seen Tom Brady's reaction when he gives players an opportunity and they just kind of fall short. 
somebody mentioned, you know, they're saving Scotty for the deep balls. Scotty missed two or three deep ball opportunities in the last three games since his return. I think that he's started to lose that trust factor between him, Tom Brady, and Bruce Arians, realistically. Yeah. Whereas like Cyril Grayson, 50 yards in versus the Saints in that turbulent atmosphere. Yeah, you earned trust across the board. And that's why they went to him yesterday and he yeah. secured that trust. So it's also a trust building game. And for unfortunately, Scotty's not really adding up in that column. Whereas Brashad Perriman, I know that he had his drops, but again, he secured a big OT win and that added to the trust column. So I think yeah. heading in versus the Jets. A lot of people who would have thought that fans would have been asking for Brashad Perriman to return when he ended up being out for two games just because of what he did versus right. the Bills. Yeah. So, and, and, yeah. I, and I think the thing too is, is, is Casey, this is a situation where the NFL is, is in my opinion, it's the, the biggest, what have you done for me lately league? Mm -hmm. It just is because yesterday doesn't really matter. It's, 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 you know, yep. today it's, it's tomorrow. It's, you know, it's it's all of of the future, the present and the future matter, not the past. Yeah. And uh, because, you know, yesterday doesn't help you in football um, experience can through the years. But but it, it's really a situation where. For whatever reason, Scotty Miller is just doesn't have the same connection with Tom Brady, maybe the same trust. And the last time we saw Brashard Perriman on the field, he was catching a touchdown pass. Very crucial. <laughs> one. Winning a game for the against the Bills. So. Yeah. You know, that, that's... And that's what he's known for. So initially, that's what you're expecting, even though there were some letdowns in between. But now that he had that big overtime catch, it's expected that he can make those big plays, those big catches down the field, because that is actually who he's supposed to be. As for Cyril Grayson, you know, he could be that 15-yard guy or that 20-plus yard guy. It all depends on the moment, but he solidified that trust. And Antonio Brown can do everything across the spread. I mean, his best season with the Steelers, or one of his best seasons with the Steelers or his last one, 2018, well over a thousand yards, 15 touchdowns. They're waiting for that guy to show up in a Bucks jersey. And if it right. wasn't for certain situations, he would have been gearing towards that a thousand yard season and then some. But yeah. you know that he's capable of it and he can do the deep ball. He can do most of his passes yesterday were under 11 yards. The first right. three were four yard catches. And then he only had one 20 yard plus catch in the second quarter for 22 yards. So Antonio Brown's that in any situation kind of guy. And he has that trust factor with Tom Brady. No, I think you're exactly right. And the thing about AB that Tom Brady loves is the guy can get open, right? If you if you want to like equate this to to basketball, he's a guy that doesn't need a screen, right? This is a, a guy that that can create his own shot, right? He he's got the the quickness, the ability to, you know, to to get open. And and I I think that that that's what Brady appreciates is. He doesn't have to be schemed to get open. He, um, when when a play breaks down, he's going to be the first guy that Brady looks to because he's got the start-stop ability and the feel to go find an opening and and present himself as an option for Brady on a broken play. And I think that with, with Mike Evans, he was that guy for Jameis Winston because Winston would just chuck the ball 40, 50 yards down the field and say, you're six foot five, go up and bail me out, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Tom is a little bit, a little bit more, uh, I should say, uh, I guess he's less risk averse, right? He doesn't mm -hmm. want to, to take those necessary chances, but Brown is a different type of, of receiver where he doesn't have to just, you know, take off running down the, the field and have Brady bomb it to him. 
Um, he'll cut off a route, either 12 yards, 17 yards, whatever, and zip open and and pick up a first down for you and keep the drive alive and keep the chains moving. That's what, what Brady really appreciates in the times what he really needs. Yeah, 100%. And it's – it also helps to the fact that they played together previously. So that's why it's kind of a no brainer. Cause you see those no brainer moments with him and Gronkowski, even though Gronk's kind of having a rough two games here. Yes. Um, yeah. There, there's something, something happening with, with Gronk. And I was, I was watching the, the, the broadcast yesterday mm-hmm. and after that touchdown pass. And, you know, we, what we like about Bruce Arians is he is a player's coach, but he's also not afraid to get on some of his guys, even the veterans, right? Even the, yeah, even the future Hall of Famers, and he he called he called Gronk out, and and you know not in in a derogatory way, but just stated the obvious. He, he dropped the touchdown. He's got to yeah. have that. And even Brady, after that pass went through Gronk's hands in the back of the end zone, you know, you could read Brady's lips saying, you know, what are we doing what? here? What's going on? You know. Yep. He's shocked because that it just it's it's off putting to see Gronk like that. Usually, if you do see Gronk like that, then you feel like he's kind of working through something, nursing something, or not speaking on it. But hopefully, that's not the case. Uh, he said that when he came back after you know trying to play, irritating something else or further irritating the rib, and then was out and then came back. He said he felt 100% ready to go. And he just looks a little off season. these last two games, right? I mean, yeah. The Saints game was brutal. This was not exactly the bounce back game I was expecting him to have mm-hmm. as a professional. Matter of fact, the touchdown pass we saw was Brait, who, you know, has had his, he's not had a good year. I agree with John. You know, Brait has not had a great year this year, but I, he's a guy that still has Brady's trust, especially in the red zone. And why not? This is one of the best red zone tight ends still operating in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing is, Brait has moved up to number three on the touchdown catch list for the Buccaneers. I mean, that's surprised me too much because when, when Jameis Winston was the quarterback, then Bray was kind of his go-to, I almost said quarterback tight end for a while. You saw a lot of great things out of Bray. And I actually thought that he would be having a bigger career and season now. um, But someone else who just kind of fits in here and there and is only so consistent, but the past couple of games, he's done a little bit better, still a little too many drops, for yeah. a guy of his caliber, that's for sure. Yeah, and also he's 30 years old. He's he's not the most athletic guy. I think I think Cam Braid is a player I respect a lot because he has squeezed every bit of of talent and athleticism out of his undrafted free agent body. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, that's no disrespect to Cam. It's actually I'm praising Cam because he's absolutely made the most of of his somewhat limited skill set. Right? He's 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 traditionally has good hands. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the biggest guy, but he's a smart player and he's usually pretty reliable. And he's been very reliable in the red zone. Most receiving touchdowns by a tight end since 2016. He is tied for fifth with a couple of other really good tight ends. He's got 29 touchdown catches since 2016. And he's tied with Mark Andrews in Baltimore and Jared Cook, who now plays for the Chargers. And he's only behind Hunter Henry, the Patriots tight end, by one touchdown, Jimmy Graham by two touchdowns, Zach Ertz by three touchdowns, and of course Travis Kelsey leads the way with forty-five touchdowns. That's <laughs> that's the, you know that he's in his own category there. But yeah. when it comes to Bucks history, Mike Evans leads the way naturally with seventy-two career touchdowns. Jimmy mm-hmm. Giles 
has 34 touchdowns, Ring of Honor tight end, probably you know the, the best tight end in Bucks history. With 34, he's he's in second place in the most touchdowns in franchise history. Cam Braid is now number three with 32. And I'd like to see him pass Jimmy Giles and get to number two. Yeah. Because it's only a matter of time before Chris Godwin passes Braid. Because he's got 29 now. He is number five, right below Kevin House, who has 31. So Evans at 72, Giles at 34, Braid at 32, House at 31, and Chris Godwin at 29. And you know once Chris Godwin gets uh, gets re-signs and, and is back in Red and Pewter next year, he's going to end up being the number two guy behind Mike Evans in this franchise history. 100%. Everybody's anxious for Chris Godwin's return and for him to remain a Buccaneer, that's for sure. But yeah, yeah I think a lot of people just kind of forget about the role that Cam Bright played when he had, you know, James Winston and and Dirk as a coach, but he was the whole reliable. I will say that was the one player that I wanted to see in the red zone when it came down to it because you could count on him. You had that trust factor. So I would think in the next couple of games, maybe something will will <laughs> resurge from that former Cameron Brait. Um, but the tight end group as a whole is just kind of surprised me aside from everybody heavily relying on Rob Gronkowski. O.J. Howard yeah, was supposed yeah. to have a little bit more of a flourishing career at Big this time. point. I thought he was playing scared in the top of the year, and now who knows what's going on. And Bruce Arian said today that he's blocking very well. Uh, right. Still not too sure if, I, if I'm seeing the same thing, but I was expecting a bigger role from O.J. Howard. They made a huge deal about him being able to return and return on time for this yeah. season. No, I, I think you're exactly right, and we'll see. I mean, uh, we've seen some players come out of nowhere to step up, right? We've seen Cyril Grayson and Keyshawn Vaughn and you know Cam Gill to a degree and Anthony Nelson. Maybe it's O.J. Howard's turn next week. Uh, as the the Bucks take on the Jets up there in New York, mm-hmm. um, so that would be interesting to see, and and we'll see if if Gronk can get out of this little bit of a funk that he's in, because I think the Bucks are certainly going to need him down the stretch and, and in the playoffs. Um, but uh, the one of the interesting things that I want to see too is this pass rush. I wrote about it at my two point conversion, and quickly uh, you you need to read it. I think I dug up some pretty good stats here. Yes. The Buccaneers are actually tied for the league now in sacks this season with 44, thanks to their seven yesterday in Carolina. Mm-hmm. They're tied with the Minnesota Vikings. They're actually one ahead of, of John's Pittsburgh Steelers. As they say Blitzburg, right? So <laughs> the Buccaneers are kind of in rarefied air right now. With two games left, they have a chance to hit 50 sacks, which is their goal this year. So they need six more. That's three in each game. The good news, Casey, is they just played a team – in Carolina that now is up to 43 sacks on the season, 43 sacks allowed. Mm-hmm. That's that's the fifth worst in the league. And guess what? Guess how many sacks yeah. the Jets have, have given up this year? Also 43. They're tied with the Panthers. So you've got a really bad offensive line in Carolina, right, that you just feasted on for seven sacks. Now you got an equally bad offensive line at the Jets up there, plus a, a rookie quarterback who runs into sacks and Zach Wilson. So there's right. a chance – to really have some more sacks there. Then you get the Panthers again in your home field at Ram James Stadium to close it out. So I, I I would put money on the Bucks getting six more sacks in the next two games against these yeah. offensive lines. 
A hundred percent. Cause I think that they've done that game by game. They've got better. They've gotten a little bit stronger when it comes to adding the pressure and finishing their tackles and being effective. I thought Ndamukong Sue was going to go off yesterday. I thought it was going to be a big game for him. So yeah. between these next two games, I definitely see at least two Ndamukong Sue sacks to close out the regular season. Vita Bay is starting to get in there a lot more. And then JTS, come on, let's get him two more sacks before the year ends. And yeah you know, call it a great 2021 heading into 2022 playoffs. Yeah, I can, I, I, can, I can definitely see that. Now, the Bucks have only hit 50 sacks one time. They had 55 back in 2000. That's when Warren Sapp had, I think, 16 sacks that season, 16 and a half, whatever it was. So, yeah, uh, but they, it was 16 and a half because Shaq Barrett broke Sapp's single season sack record. So, that was yeah. that was a big year for the Buccaneers, 2000, with 55 sacks, most in franchise history. So the interesting thing is, in Todd Bowles' first season, they had 47 sacks. Last year, year number two under Bowles, they had 48 sacks. So they got a chance to continue to increase their sack total with a strong finish here. Speaking of Bowles, it'll be interesting because tomorrow at, at uh, 8 a.m., teams are allowed to begin interviewing coordinators, coaches for head coaching jobs. So you might see some coaches get fired by tomorrow. And Pro Football Talk has a, a list of, of these names, and the Buccaneers have contributed to some of these guys being on the hot seat. Yeah. They've beaten Matt Nagy and the Bears. We'll see if they're ready to part ways with Matt Nagy in Chicago. Vic Fangio and the Broncos, they played the Broncos last year, but not this year. Mm-hmm. Mike Zimmer and the Vikings, if the Vikings can get in the playoffs, that helps Mike Zimmer's case out for sure. Pete Carroll will not be coaching in the playoffs as the Seahawks have been eliminated, and his time might be running out mm-hmm. in Seattle. That's 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 kind of a franchise in disarray after so many years of them being a perennial playoff team. David Culley with the Texans. That's just a, a the, dumpster fire. It is. It's, you it's restart. <laughs> it, yeah, it's it's a mess. Joe Judge with the Giants. That he's reportedly safe. The Giants are are thinking about bringing him back, but yeah. the Buccaneers have beaten the Giants twice now, so they've contributed to Joe Judge's uh, losing record as a head coach. Robert Sala from the Jets is he going to be a one and done? It's probably not likely, but a loss to the, the Buccaneers at home in week six or 17, 17, would not be good for his case at all. And then the interesting name on this list is Matt Rule from the Panthers. Sorry, right? Matt. <laughs> yeah. So the, the Buccaneers might have a chance to put the nail in Matt Rule's coffin uh, with not just yesterday's loss, but another one coming up in a couple of weeks. So it be interesting yeah. to see. There's a lot going on right now with these Buccaneers, Casey, with two weeks to go in the regular season. So we appreciate everybody tuning in to another edition of the Peter Report podcast. And Casey, thanks for joining us today. Make sure you read PeterReport.com. We're having a, a fantastic traffic day. A lot of great stories up, uh, opinion pieces. We've got some breaking news on PeterReport.com. Mm-hmm. Make sure you follow us on all those social media spots. Uh, Casey runs our Instagram page or Facebook Please. page. Twitter, at Peter Report. And then, of course, while you're here, make sure you're hitting the like button when you're watching the Peter Report podcast. Every single one, make sure you hit the like button. And make sure you're subscribing to Peter Report TV on our YouTube channel. And uh, 
We'll be back again on Wednesday. Myself and John Ledyard are going to be here previewing the big Bucks versus Jets game. It's it's still big because the Bucks playoff seeding scenarios are still in effect. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if some of these backups continue to rise up as this Buccaneer team appears to be getting healthy, healthier, right, Casey? Yeah, absolutely. A big, a big call for these guys. They need to start solidifying their future with the Bucks franchise or their ability to negotiate decent contracts uh, come 2022. So I'm really psyched about that. Also, really quickly, all you Scotty Miller fans in the comments, if you head over to our Instagram, you do have a chance to win a Scotty Miller signed Tumblr and a bunch of other goodies. So if you check the stories, it gives you the full breakdown on how to enter the giveaway. It's going to close out shortly. So be sure you guys head over there and check it out. Scotty Miller's a good dude, and and I I, I still think he's got a magical catch in him, a big-time catch coming Mm -hmm. sometime, whether it's these next two weeks or whether it's in the postseason. We'll have to see. Playoff Scotty. (laughs) Playoff Scotty would would be welcome, that's for sure. For Casey Hudson, I'm Scott Reynolds. Thank you all for watching another edition of the Peter Report podcast. Out. Mm -hmm.